Jerry O'Hanlon, you're an Irish Jesuit and you're a theologian. And we're in the throes now of the election. Big debate last night with the seven leaders. There's the Greens, there's Sinn Féin, there's Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, there's Social Democrats, there's the Independents, there's the People Before Profit. Hope I haven't left anybody out. You're not going to tell us who to vote for, but if I'm coming at this election as a Christian, what are the things I should be considering as I make my decision where to cast my very important vote? Yeah, well, one of the sources, obviously, is what the leaders of the church might say to us today, and the bishops have come out with the statement, and the Catholic Church with the other churches have come out with the statement, the Irish Interchurch Meeting. So just to mention them at the start, the bishops are the four archbishops. They mention the fact that, first of all, it's important to vote. And I think that's important to remind people. And it's a lot of people, for one reason or another, aren't interested enough. That's a pity. And secondly, then they talk about the need to look out for the common good, the sort of stuff that Pat Reardon has written a lot about uh, in Jesuit circles, because we are a society that tends to value a lot the individual. And there's a lot of good in that. But we lose sight of the fact that in the Christian understanding, the individual is in the image of God, who is Trinity and who is in relationship. And so there's a whole room there for understanding the happiness and the flourishing of the individual, not alone and not just talking about self-fulfillment. Self-fulfillment happens in a society and in a state. And the bishops are reminding us of the common good. They also talk then about the plight of the most vulnerable. And in using that as a kind of a principle, it's like the option for the poor that's mentioned in Catholic social teaching. They apply it to the kind of areas which general discourse is talking about. So housing and health. They talk about security as well. They talk about what they call human ecology, which is in their interpretation a mixture of the environment and then the abortion issue. So they're trying to link those together. And then they talk about international responsibility. And under that heading, they, they deal with migrants. And I suppose, again, in dealing with migrants, they're touching into principles in Catholic social teaching, like solidarity, for example, and the notion that we are all one. It's a bit general what, what they're saying, and at one level, a bit bland. And I think in some respects, they talk, for example, about the need, if you're going to have a more just society, the need for what they call sustained economic growth. But people who look more closely at that would wonder, I've been part of a group which has tried to look at these things, and we're wondering, is growth the way forward, given the ecological crisis? Mm -hmm. And certainly sustained growth, if they mean sustainable growth, that's a different thing. It's obviously reflects. So, so it's not that these principles will allow anybody to say, this is how I should vote, definitely. What they do give is a worldview or a framework. And then the thing is to try and apply those principles. So what Pope Francis is always talking about, discernment, or the feast day that we happen to be celebrating today is Thomas Aquinas. And he always talked about prudential judgment or discernment in love. So the, the idea that principles have to be applied to particular situations. And Catholic social teaching has always understood that 
Christians could in good conscience disagree about the application of those general principles to particular situations. So citizens then have to make up their mind. But informed, if they are Christians, by the sort of inspiration you get from the gospel and then from church teaching, whether it be of Catholic or Protestant variety. So two things there. First, in terms of the common good versus the individual, I think Mm. it is fair to say that homelessness has been an issue for many Irish people. Mm. They made it an issue the last time in Mm. the Mm. elections. Even homeowners who don't want to be walking over people in the street, they are ashamed that we have children over 3,000 children in hotels and that they feel nothing has been done. So there is that sense of a Mm. solidarity, I think, there. Mm. What about ecology? Because I'm talking to you at a day when a report is coming out that an iceberg the size of Great Britain is melting Mm. rapidly. Mm. Did they mention that? And is that an issue as well? Yeah, I have to say in the regard to homelessness, which you mentioned first, the document from the Irish Interchurch meeting is good. It's actually quite sharp. And it's suggesting questions that citizens might ask canvassers who come around canvassing and that they might ask themselves. So, for example, they might ask themselves, are they willing to pay more taxes if there is to be a change in the the homelessness uh, crisis? And then talking about uh, a cap on on rent uh, and so on. With regard to ecology, I was a bit disappointed in the bishop's own statement in this sense that, I mean, I do think that they mention it, which is important, and they mention Pope Francis and so on. But I think they mention it mainly to get in the bit about abortion. And they're quite right in in the sense that uh, Pope Francis in particular, but it goes back to Cardinal Bernadine in Chicago, has been stressing the fact that it's this seamless robe, if you like, this notion that life issues are not just abortion, but they go through all the other issues to do with housing and to do with the planet and so on. And Pope Francis has been good at at drawing that out. But you get the impression sometimes with the bishops, and I suppose in general with regard to these advices which they give, it's maybe symptomatic of the church in Ireland. There's very little passion about the ecology issue, for example. And what it points to me is that it's not enough, and I know the bishops would agree with it, it's not enough just to issue advice as an election comes. You have to have a lively church body, if you like, that's discussing current issues, that knows how to discuss these issues, that can do it freely and without fear that they're trespassing on church teaching and and so on. So... There's a lack of that in Ireland at the moment for, for various reasons and we have to move into a space where that happens and that shows in the document, it seems to me. It's a short document, it has many many useful things in it but to me there's a lack of incision and a lack of passion about it and particularly with regard to the ecology issue I think it's, it's quite weak really and it, that's a pity because Pope Francis has given such a strong lead and that's been a very consultative document with scientific rigour and it's been very well received outside the church. So the church has a real opportunity there. And I don't think it's unduly favouring the Greens because I think what's inevitably happening now is that the Green agenda is mainstreaming. And you'll find that all the political parties, because they're very canny and they know what it takes to win votes, are taking on board that. The Greens may have been in the vanguard, but others are following 
So to give a sharpness to that kind of analysis and a bit of passion, I think is necessary because it's very clear it is the burning issue of, yeah. of our day. And take another issue that it might be easy, and I'm going to be simplistic here, to say, well, if we look at the common good and we look at the vulnerable and the migrants and we look at the homeless and health, that broadly speaking, you could say that's very much a left wing agenda yeah, yeah. from the coalition mm. of the left. Mm. Yet getting the money for that, that question, are you prepared Mm -hmm. for your taxes to go up, Mm -hmm. is a key question because Mm -hmm. some people might say, well, that's all very well. But if you're going to hit the Googles and the Facebooks Mm -hmm. and the whatever, they can leave. Mm -hmm. That we live in a global world. We're a tiny, small island and Mm -hmm. we are dependent on a global economy Mm -hmm. that simply will not house a left wing fiscal agenda. You're in the dialogue of hope. Is that something you look at? Is there, is there a way that we can square that kind of a circle? And is that even a fair comment that I make? No, it is a fair comment. And it goes back to the notion it, it turns McCaughey, who was a well-known Presbyterian. He did a very good analysis of the way Christianity had tendencies in it towards prophecy. And if you'd like that to be the more left-wing agenda. But there was also the wisdom tradition and it was the more steady middle of the road and the sense that, okay, exactly as you were saying there, how do you pay for that kind of thing? So there is that kind of sense that that's the, the tightrope we always negotiate and we always walk. And I suppose in earlier times at various points, you think of people like Tertullian, like Augustine, like Aquinas, like Luther, like Calvin, and now up to people like Habermas and so on. People have varied between thinking the church has the answer for everything in terms of a, of a blueprint or it can say nothing and should shut up. And really, it's somewhere in between. The church doesn't claim to have all the answers and the politicians are the one who properly have that kind of competence. So the church is trying to provide guidelines. And in terms of the group that we had, who were mostly coming from a Christian background, but some of them were secularists. This is your Dialogue of Hope group. Dialogue of Hope group. When we looked at it, we thought that what was needed to, again, if you like, I've spoken about the green agenda shifting mainstream, to have a more left-wing agenda shift mainstream, that there was probably need of a new narrative or story about our lives together on Earth, that we had a simplified version at the moment which talked about our economic well-being and particularly economic growth and this whole what President Higgins talks about the neoliberal agenda and we've been living off that for 30 or 40 years since the 70s and that needs to change in some way that we become more aware of other issues not just economic but flourishing and happiness and we need to understand then that growth just for its own sake isn't sufficient that we really have to change and I suppose again there's signs of that happening you get things now coming from the IMF coming from Davos and so on talking about a crisis within capitalism the whole notion of shareholder value not being sufficient to buttress the way things are going and so a realisation that the inequalities that are very manifest now are too extreme to provide sustainability into the future. So again, you would hope that that's the way things will go. And so when you come down to, will I vote for change or will I vote for the same tweaked? Will I vote for a left-wing agenda or a right-wing agenda? Those tensions will be interpreted differently by different people. And so, for example, very concretely, 
I know lots of people would like to vote for change because they sense that things are wrong. And yet they wonder at times, is some of the left-wing agenda Trotskyite in a sense that thrives on anarchy and disruption of the state? And they wonder, would there would the next place be worse than the previous place? So there is that kind of judgments to be made in concrete situations. But there's a certain urgency about our situation now. And I think... Probably the message that the main parties, I mean, we always talk about Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, mm. and they have succeeded really over the years in mm. our Republic of Ireland in maintaining power. It strikes me that they need to get a message that the current narrative is not mm. sustainable. And I always recall he's a very, very nice individual uh, at a personal level, Michal Martin, being present at a conference down in Cork. Uh, in UCC and it was to do with relations between Ireland and Asia was shortly after the crash and I put it to him afterwards in a question and answer something along those lines did we need to look at a new model of economics and he was very civil and very and and he said no no I don't think so I think we can get where we want with with the current model now he probably has moved on since then but you'd like to see the two major parties moving on. And maybe that's part of the function of the more left-wing parties to stimulate that movement. And it seems to be, we haven't had the election yet, but the polls would suggest that that mm. is what's happening. Mm. And people are saying that Fine Gael, for example, I'm, uh, are getting it in the neck and people just say we need some kind of change. I think one of the things mm. that reflects what you're saying in terms of perhaps quality of life and seeing something more as just production and getting money or whatever is the whole debate over the pension age you know what time people retire at that you have people saying like I've been working for 50 years paying PRSI and then I'm expected to go into an office look for the dole when I'm actually no it's a sham I'm not going to I'm retired and I have to prove I'm looking for work when I'm not actually going to get it I mean something as ridiculous as that I think really people are coming back and saying we deserve a quality of life we deserve serve something different. Would you agree with me that I think this time round the quality of discourse coming back from the public is quite sharp and quite well tuned into bigger issues even as far as regarding the sort of cynicism around auction politics as well. We're not buying it this time. I'm not a good judge of that because I, I don't dip in as, as much as I should to social media and so on, so I wouldn't be a good judge of it. I'd be very heartened if that was the case because I do think that quality of life is a big, big issue. And, and you've mentioned the pension issue. I think of people commuting long distances and it's a very inhumane sort of life and it must affect family life awfully. And then, of course, it affects the environment and so on. So there's a whole thing there. And I, there's a whole raft of issues there. I mean, we all like cheap food and we, we talk about Aldi and Lidl and Tesco and so on. But cheap food comes at a huge cost because it's all transported. I have friends in Italy and I go over there quite a lot. And the local greengrocer and beautiful vegetables and fruit and so on. And there isn't so much the supermarket menu. Mentality. So, food of course, they have the locally. weather. They have the weather, of <laughs> course, they have. But we've got used to having exotic food mm. in off-season yeah. times, you know. And a lot of that is. I remember doing an analysis before, and ice cream being brought from here to there, big trucks, just for the sake of variety, and all kinds of goods like that. So there is a sense that the quality of life issue, which 
if you like, would be seen as something that liberal do-gooders would have in their mind. And it's when it comes to the real world, you can't get into that kind of stuff. I think it has become more mainline. And if that's reflected in the discourse at the moment, I'd be delighted to think that's so, because we've just got to the point with the planet where anything else is, is unsustainable. There really has to be a big change. And I noticed the guy in the, I've forgotten his name, in the Irish Times who does the travel writing, he's announced now that he's more or less stopping flying. You know, it's a huge thing for him. He's going to continue travelling. He's going to go by train and boat and so on. He'll do the occasional flight, but he's pulling back. And when you see people doing that, of course, you realise how we all need conversion. I mean, I'd find that very hard, the idea of facing into that. And yet, I think quickly we have to consider options like that if we are all to have some kind of quality of life. Final question, as somebody who is a member of that Dialogue of Hope, what would you say to somebody today who has a couple of weeks now to think about how they're going to vote? Yeah, I would say to them to do what I'm not great at doing, keep in touch with the commentary and so on that's out there online and in ordinary media, but also dip into their core values, their own core values. I mean, in one sense, what the bishops are doing here is too late and they would know that this needs to happen all the time, that we're discussing what it means to be a citizen. And as a Christian, it seems to me that's so important. I mean, we used to have an understanding that, if you like, Christianity prepared us for the next life. And then in the Second Vatican Council, it became very clear that the church and the modern world were together and that this whole notion of the kingdom of God is now as well as the next life and anticipations of it come now and we can look for that. And there's a certain wisdom and passion and prophecy that goes with that. And so the extent to which people can tap into that, into their human wisdom and their Christian faith and not be caught up in just the immediacy. So keep in touch with the immediate by all means, but dip back into deeper values and then try to come up with the right answer which I can't tell you <laughs> All will be revealed when the day comes Thank you very much indeed Jerry O'Hanlon